0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 579. And today we're going to be talking at last about Final Fantasy Tactics. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's Leah Haydu. Hello. Who's been ready for a year and a half. (laughs) Rich Davison. Hello. Who's been ready for about a day and a half. (laughs) And, uh, well, joining us for one last rodeo. Well, who knows? Possibly one last rodeo, despite Leah's claims (laughs) that she'd assassinated him. It turns out Joshua lives. Joshua Garrity.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Who let him in?
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) we slipped him in the back door. And here he is to bring his opinions and hot takes. You know, he'll be going off. Ranting like he I, does. I'm just
2: going to deliberately disagree with everything that Leah says, even if I <laughs> agree with Contrarian
0: yeah. Josh. Why, why here change he comes.
1: a perfect record?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics, and we're also talking about the War of the Lions version of the game, more of which will become clear. It is a 3D grid-based, turn-based strategy combat fantasy game, if you didn't know. Obviously set in the Final Fantasy universe, which is a kind of malleable thing anyway. And in fact, they built a whole new kind of Final Fantasy universe for this game. So really, the things that make it a Final Fantasy are, well, the names of items and things like that as much as anything. First of all, of course, we must find out what our histories with this game are. Josh, why have you come back to join us for this one of all games?
2: Um, I mean, I don't want to skip to the end to our summations, <laughs> but I think it's fair to say that if I'm coming back uh, to the fold briefly, um, it, <laughs> uh, it's you can probably guess that I have quite fond feelings to this game. Um, but I didn't always start that way. Um, like I, I, I always knew Final Fantasy Tactics was one that was held in high regard. I, I, I never played, I never played it back in the day. I, d- I never played the original PS1 release. Um, but I bought the PSP uh, version, War of the Lions, um, ages ago. I can't even put a year on it. Um, and um, I tried it. Uh, I bounced off the initial stages, mm-hmm. and then I-, I left it. I then, like, when the Vita was out, bought the digital version of that for the Vita. Yeah. Um, tried it again, bounced off of it again. Ah. Um, it wasn't until sorry to plug a- another podcast here, but uh, fine, it wasn't fine. until um, uh, Gary and Cole on uh, Watch out for fireballs covered it for for their mm. podcast and kind of talked about um, the job system and the level of depth and just how broken it is, <laughs> um, especially yeah. towards like the, the latter half of um, latter half of the game. That I was like, I've really got to, I've, I've, I've got to figure this out. I've got to get through. And I think, I'm sure we'll talk about this um, uh, a little bit later on. But I managed to get over like the wall that is the kind of initial learnings of this game, and get into the meat yeah. of it and get into that stuff. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go into the nuance of my opinion as the sh- the show evolves. But I, I ended up falling head over heels in love with this. Um, mm. I just to say which versions I've played. Um, I've played the uh, PS Vita version. That was my uh, PSP version on the PS Vita. That's my original yeah, yeah. run through. But I've also played the uh the tablet version of it, which is a little oh, nice. bit faster.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Cool, cool. uh Leah,
1: so I really like games with job systems mm. and. As such, it was kind of a, a hole in my gaming history that I had never really played Tactics. Um, so I... Let's see. I have not played the original PS1 version. I played the War of the Lions version, also on my Vita. Uh, in 2019, uh, I have a reasonably lengthy commute, so I played it on my Vita... To and from work, and completed it. I, I'm not sure what my completion time was there, but I did. I did look it up to make sure. I thought because I was pretty sure it was before uh, the the pandemic had happened, and it was. It was 2019. So right. um, that was my first real experience with tactics. I'd kind of started it a couple of other times, and just not really been able to it was it's kind of been a thing with me in in the past that i just never really was able to get into tactics games for some reason just something wouldn't Mm -hmm. click with my brain um and this was actually kind of where that turned around so i i got into it enough and and enjoyed enough that i have have since kind of kicked into some other uh tactical type games and um tactics specifically i played again for the show relatively recently, I guess a few months ago, um, and th- this this particular playthrough, I was kind of doing just a straight-up playthrough, and then I got to a point where I... J- well, well, I'm sure it will specifically come up in, in what we talk about later, but it I will. hit one of the walls yeah. and kind of had myself soft-locked, and rather than actually starting the game again, because I was stupid and only had one save, uh, oh, that was no. my fault. Well, that was my fault. Uh, but <laughs> but for this for this playthrough I did actually use some cheats. Um and I'm sure we'll talk about why that's a one thousand percent an okay thing to do in this game. But uh yeah, yeah. yeah so the end and any game, just cheat. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the first time I played through just a a relatively vanilla playthrough on the War of Alliance version on my Vita and then played again with some cheats on, um, it was actually on an emulated version yeah. on my, uh, Odin handheld. So, ah.
0: so Rich, uh, you've, uh, stepped in to, uh, save us from being a, a member short, uh, the last, uh, knockings. Um, we'll hear from John who was supposed to be with us but uh, you obviously then were pre-prepared to come Well, and join us here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's go into a bit of history. Uh game released 1997. I would have been 11 years old, but what difference would it make? Because it never released in European uh, nope. spaces anyway. So I don't know if I was like cognizant of, of it being around in the late 90s. And to be honest with you, I don't think my kind of... General understanding of how RPGs were meant to be played existed until probably around that time with Final Fantasy 7, maybe a bit of Pokemon later on anyway. So, this would have absolutely been something that was way too complicated for me as a, an 11 year old. But, um, yeah, why did I play it? Well, look, I'd, I was going to play along with the show. Um, for volume uh, 11, I had a gap between the Pyre recording and the next recording, which I think for me, May have been... I can't quite remember what it was, but um, I did have a gap around this time last year, and I thought, yeah, "Yeah, I'll play along with that. And... um I'll make myself available to to tag in in the event that somebody else might not be able to make it, and um, I think it was a bit of um, fortuitous foresight on my part because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But I did um, finish the game safe in the knowledge that I wouldn't be called upon to try and describe any of the plot <laughs> or the mechanics. <laughs> and yet here I yeah, am. All right,
0: Josh is here to do that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I played the War of the Lions version. I actually emulated it despite owning it on the PS Vita um purely cuz i was aware of how difficult it was going to be and i thought no like i wanted to try and make this as, as frictionless a game as possible um it's not just playing it for the show however it's that sort of everlease kind of stuff for final fantasy that's always sailed gracefully over my head mm. like final fantasy 12 was always quite inscrutable um final fantasy 14 as well is a really I say this with two people who no doubt love Final Fantasy XIV on the, the podcast. Um I, I don't know if that landed in the same way. And I just wanted to surround myself. And um one of the reasons I was happy to volunteer is because actually last week I played through my third playthrough of Final Fantasy XII with the express intent of actually trying to understand some of the plot. Um and I think in some ways it it's did kind Star of prepare Wars. me for that. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure <laughs> about said. that. We did we did have an <laughs> argument between Leah and I. And um yeah, and just purely serendipity, I um started a playthrough of uh Vagrant Story uh this time last week. Very so cool. I'm kind of surrounded yeah. myself a little bit in some of the um the evilist um world building slash law sort of stuff going on. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's one day at repair, I made the ridiculous decision to try and cram a 30 minute essay on um the plot of final fantasy tactics and honestly it's so tense that i'm i'm not sure what i can provide in terms of story and plotting but um we'll get through it as we go through the show no doubt so yeah pleased to be here and unfortunate for john who didn't quite manage to make it through some of those difficulty spikes indeed
0: yeah, my history with Final Fantasy Tactics is that when it when I was first aware of it, I don't think I'd even played a Final Fantasy game because they hadn't really made other than I think the the Game Boy game Final Fantasy Legend and I didn't have a Game Boy. I don't think any of them would come out in the UK at this point. Famously Square didn't send games like this to Europe very often uh, at this point. So um we obviously we got Final Fantasy VII towards the end of 97. And, uh, you know, a lot of us enjoyed it. Although, of course, famously, a lot of people traded that one in because it was nothing like they were expecting as well. Um, Then I guess the American US version of Tactics was reviewed in Edge at some point in 98. And I immediately knew that I wanted it. I hadn't played too many Japanese Tactics type games until obviously, you know, going back to computer game era. Sorry, this is all very convoluted. Played um, some strategy games on the computer and I'd fallen in love with XCOM or UFO, uh, XCOM, uh, Enemy Unknown, that game, um, which was turn-based strategy. But my first Japanese type game of this type wasn't any of the Super Nintendo ones because, again, we didn't get them over here. It was Vagrant, no, not Vagrant, (laughs) Vandal Hearts, the Konami uh, turn-based 3D grid-based tactical strategy game. Uh, which popped out for ps1 at some point i think in 96 or 97 and uh, i bought it on a whim uh just i think it had some good reviews and i was just starting to get uh, i recently got into more uh role playing games in generally and i thought a strategy one would be cool and uh, me and my girlfriend at the time we we played this like uh you know past the pad couch co-op sort of thing and we absolutely adored it um It was probably, with hindsight, considerably more accessible than Final Fantasy Tactics, probably shallow, less, you know, there's probably less to it and all that. But in a way, it was a perfect introduction to this type of game, um, the Fire Emblem type of game or any of those. Um, And so when Tactics was reviewed in Edge and given a 9 out of 10, it was like, oh my gosh, we really want to play this. Um, But of course, yeah, it didn't come out, even though Final Fantasy 7 had made the the franchise known better in, in Europe, um, we still never got it or didn't get it until PSP times anyway. However, a um, friend of mine, Pete, went over to the US in, I'm not sure exactly when it was. Memories are a little hazy about this, but at some point it was either late 98 or maybe early 99. And he actually managed to find a, a, a ex-rental copy of the US version of Tactics in a blockbuster. And he very sweetly bought it for me and brought it home. I had a, a multi-region PlayStation, which I still have to this day. Uh, we then played that in, uh, he, he and I played it in Couch Co-op past the Pad style for quite some weeks or months. Um, and we were having a grand old time. And then we got to a point, and I'm still not sure which point it was, but I think it might have been Belial, uh, where we saved ourselves into a corner, and it's an unwinnable battle if you don't have certain levels or certain items or, you know, any number of things. There are a few ways you can win that a battle like that, but uh, if you are completely underleveled and underprepared, you will lose certain fights in this game. So that was that. We didn't have the heart to start all over again, 30 hours or whatever it was, so I left it. Um. yeah, and then at some point I bought the digital PSP version for Vita and finally got around to playing it for the show. 83 and a half hours, completed it on Friday night. It's now Sunday evening. And um, yeah, that's one off the backlog (laughs) for sure. Uh, And so here we are. Let's hear from John, who hasn't made it. And uh, this, I think, will resonate with a number of people listening to this show. Obviously, we've already heard about how Josh bounced off the game at least a couple of times uh i got locked into it in in it uh, Leah did effectively as well so yes john says i was really looking forward to tackling this game as you might remember if you were listening to the early final fantasy shows roughly five years ago is it my journey through the franchise went chronologically through the numbered games up to six along with the shows and i had my problems with certain elements of most of those games but overall really enjoyed playing through them in this way since then, I've completed both the original seven and the recent remake of it and have been questioning where to go next. Eight and nine are both strong contenders, with nine probably edging it. Chronological order be damned. But the real answer, confirmed by the podcast schedule announcement over 18 months ago, turned out to be tactics. I love all the little esoteric intricacies, especially with things like the items, jobs and the JP system and the rock-paper-scissors game in play with characters' genders and star signs, a lot of which feel like they're barely explained by the game. There are massively important stats which I feel like I still hardly understand after roughly 50 hours of playtime, and it treads a line of being simultaneously frustrating but also very cool when you figure it out. I'm guessing this comparison has already been made, no... But it feels very soulsy to me in places. Why is this axe doing a sporadic amount of damage? The answer might lie somewhere buried in the stat screens, but it's not freaking obvious unless you're really on the ball. But equally, the game feels punishing as hell and not really in a fun way. Sure, it's satisfying when you finally overcome a challenge, but some of the challenges are a lot. The reason I'm not joining the panel today is because, frankly, I underestimated the game and the amount of overcoming that would need to be done. I'm currently stuck in a, at a notorious difficulty spike at the end of chapter 3. I've been stuck on this horrible boss for a few days, and that's even with what I consider to be a fairly well-rounded party that's done plenty of grinding and completed every available errand up to this point. On the plus side, it's forced me to reload a save from one or two story battles earlier and learn more about how to maximise the use of certain skills and items and understand how some of those esoteric stats come into play and are way more important than they might seem at first glance. So while I'm currently feeling very beaten down and frustrated by the game, honestly partly my own fault, but also fair to say that the game can be overly harsh, I'm also buzzing to continue and finish it, and I've really loved so many things about my experience. I'm gutted not to be there to discuss this in depth with you all. So yeah, developed by Squaresoft with uh, Tozer handling the PSP War of the Lions version and then High Corporation taking that version, putting it on iOS and Android, published by Square in Japan and Sony in North America, written and directed by Yasumi Matsuno, who had previously worked for Quest Corporation on things like Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre. The game was released for the PlayStation June 20th, 1997, the day before my 22nd birthday. Goodness me. And it arrived on. In North America, January 1998, the PSP version turned up May 2007 in Japan and October 2007 in the rest of the world. The PSP version mostly reiterates the original for PS1. Visual presentation is almost a one-to-one copy, looking like the old version with a zoomed-in camera to make it fit the PSP screen. Developer Toza added cell-shaded introduction movies and numerous animation sequences played after each chapter ends with voice acting. And some maps were completely remade as well, but you still can't skip event scenes.
1: Brought no, you cannot. I actually really like the uh, the visual style of the yeah. uh, animated scenes that they inserted. Mm. It, it's kind of like a. Uh, it, you mentioned that it's cell shaded, but it's also kind of like uh, sketched almost. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some yeah. line work. Yeah, that, that I think really looks interesting. It's not like something that they've used before, so I, I, I enjoyed that. It, yeah, it,
2: it looks similar ish, um, if a bit more kind of muted in its color palette to what Valkyria Chronicles did. Um, yeah, on the yes. PS3, yeah. That, that kind of similar, yeah, as Leah said, sketchbook style.
0: Andrew Bolsover from our Patreon says my primary memory of the original game is seeing screenshots in magazines and being desperate to play it, only to be disappointed that Squaresoft didn't deign to bless us Europeans with it. When I did finally play the PSP version, I was hugely charmed by the story and gameplay, yet also put off by the random difficulty spikes. Consulting online guides had me endlessly pelting characters with stones to level up, which somewhat took the shine off things. Never did finish it. iOS version arrived August 2011, Android 2013 in Japan and 2015, rest of the world. Ashman86 from our forum says, watching a friend play Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my earliest memories of the series. The game story of political intrigue told by cute, noseless characters completely defied the expectations I'd formed from seeing ads and posters for Final Fantasy seven. Thanks to the availability of a solid smartphone port, it's maybe more accessible now than ever. I think tactics holds up even after all these years, though I recommend it to friends with some caveats. The difficulty can be extremely punishing, especially to new players who may not understand how to optimise their parties. Leveling in the game is an old school grind and can feel like a chore. The tried and true method of farming job points from an enemy by surrounding them with your team and taking turns hurting and healing them and on one another is absurd, plain and simple. On the other hand, trying to stick to the critical critical path without spending time optimising your fighters will likely end in a lot of frustration. But if you're willing to put the time into it and to learn the game's secrets and mechanics, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better game in the genre. Reviews-wise, back in the day at least, we had that edge 9 out of 10. Over in America, EGM gave it an 8.875 out of 10. Famitsu gave it 34 out of 40. Is that two nines and two eights, I reckon? Uh, GamePro, four and a half out of five. GameSpot, 8.9. IGN, 8.5. And the Metacritics came out at 83% for the PS1 version, 88% for the PSP War of the Lions version, but only 72% for the iOS version. Right, let's get into the story This is a spoiler warning for Final Fantasy Tactics. It's an old game, but you might still want to play it on your tablet or wherever else. I guess the place to start is the fact that this was the first game set in Ivalice. So Matsuno created this entire new world, which she would go on to use in multiple later projects. Ivalice was designed as a complex setting with a deep historical background He described it as a blank canvas on which he and later others could create narratives. While some aspects of the ending were left ambiguous, Matsuno considered the narrative complete on its own. Under Matsuno's direction, the game's design strayed significantly from Sakaguchi's original concept, particularly in its narrative tone. Matsuno at the time described his wish for the narrative to emulate a sense of swashbuckling heroism. His aim was to create a Final Fantasy themed morality tale. Matsuno stated that the game's thematic use of class based society was derived from his experiences within game production companies, observing their hierarchy and how senior designers were treated as royalty. The story premise of a long suppressed account of ancient history was inspired by the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and the story of the name of the Rose, according to Wikipedia. Josh, as we've got you back. And obviously, we're we're not going to go through the story beat by beat because there are many many beats over the course of these four long chapters. Um, I suppose, yeah, just overarchingly and and in terms of themes and characters, uh, is that actually a part of the appeal of the game for you, or uh, is it all about the systems?
2: Uh, the, the story and and theming is absolutely key to why I like it, and and having dip my toes in both versions i i can understand with the the ps1 original why that wouldn't be because i think and and i i think this is like a widely held op- opinion i don't think i'm being too um hyperbolic here but it, it's a pretty poor localization e- even by the standards of the time right like it, it feels it feels really rough um the the localization for the War of the Lions version though is 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 very strong. Um, I I would I would put it up against um my favourite uh, localizations in the series. So that would be stuff like Final Fantasy twelve, um nine, and and actually more recently Final Fantasy sixteen. Um, mm. it it feels like they picked a style like. Now they go fully full ham cheese with the kind of Shakespearean uh, (laughs) dialogue, right? Like, I'm not. A lot of the characters,
1: although I don't think it's all of them, but a lot of the characters literally do speak in iambic pentameter, and Mm. uh, it's that's some work. Like, if nothing else, uh, just the difference between the two versions is is. It, it it had to have taken a long time.
2: Someone put in a shift, you know, like with this localization. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not like, look, I, and I'm not saying it's subtle. I'm not saying it's nuanced in any way, but I respect the effort. Um, and uh, also like, I, I really love it when localizers are given the level of freedom to be writers instead of just, direct translation like I, I i i don't know the full details of this story but i know that with the original metal gear solid um the localizers were given a lot of leeway to adjust the dialogue that Hideo Kojima had written uh, originally and then when Hideo Kojima saw that he was really annoyed and was like mm-hmm. no i want it to be more direct to my my writing and then the mm-hmm. writing in metal gear solid 2 and 3 and 4 like while perfectly serviceable didn't have that kind of natural flow that I think the original Metal Gear Solid 1 had um and I feel like just letting go of that need to be 100% accurate to the original writing just allows it to have its have its own identity to have its own flavor um but to to get away from the localization a bit like I I I think this for the time you know the caveats like of its era this is attempting mm-hmm. something with some quite nuanced messaging and, and and quite complex characters for the 90s in in video games um this, there is a quote in this game um that stays with me from one character like if a penalty for a crime is is a fine then that law only exists for the lower classes it's mm. like wow, okay, we've got a class-conscious Final yeah, Fantasy game on. I've seen quite a few hands, uh, comments, you know, um, on
0: on social media to that effect yeah, in in modern times. Exactly,
2: yeah. yeah, and Delita as this kind of really flawed, but like trying to be like a, a like a class hero, right? Trying to kind of use his guile and his wits to kind of navigate this this system that's weighted against him in order to rise to the top ultimately sacrificing a lot of his humanity in the process Um, like he does a lot of awful things to ultimately secure his seat of power at the end of this game but because of that Delita's like probably the most at, at, at least at this point in time the most nuanced and interesting Final Fantasy character that I've encountered, at least by my estimations. Um, He's he's fascinating. Uh, Ramza is a bit of a Captain America. He's just like the perfect Boy Scout. But as a a kind of um, window into this world, he works perfectly well. Um, And the kind of use of magic and deities possessing people as a metaphor for you know power corrupting and and all that jazz that that's something final fantasy returns to a time time and time again but mm. i liked that it was in a world where the villains were a little less let's destroy the world let's you know it, it, like sephiroth as iconic a villain as he is it's pretty simple in terms of like his end goal same with kefka like really interesting charismatic but ultimately kefka's the joker there are like several antagonists in this game there are several villains and they're all kind of more motivated by status by power by class by all of that stuff i genuinely think the story is really good in this um you know there will be there are games now that tackle this with a much more Kind of nuanced hand but the the attempt the effort to sure. even try is i think commendable
0: fair enough uh for those listeners who are massive fans of the story of this game i don't want us to i don't want you to think we're giving the story short shrift but equally uh we have a time limit on these shows <laughs> and uh, to go into detail about the actual events chapter by chapter would be a complete non-starter and probably take you could probably make a show of it's a, a series of podcasts about the, the story of this uh, of this game and uh, and get something out of it. So um, if that's what you're after, yeah, I think there are some pretty long form discussions of the of the narrative on, on YouTube. So I might point you in that direction. But um, good to hear Josh has taken.
1: It. I don't think that there's I don't think that there's anything in this storyline that's like extremely new or um or or like just kind of unusual i i think that the story itself is probably one that has been told i I mean obviously not in the specifics but it's it's a lot of inspired by types of things but that doesn't mean that it's not well told sure know? so yeah. if if this is what you're into and you know i i definitely there are some barriers to it but if you um if you decide that that's what you want to get out of this i think that it's a uh, a good good place to go yeah
0: i think it's falls into the there are only however many stories it you want to say it is seven stories and it is two. it has a or two stories and it has <laughs> a, and it has a familiar uh, ring to it if you've played other final fantasies for sure a lot of as you say themes that recur but they're they're big important human themes, and uh, yeah. they're handled in a way here which uh, I don't think I, I gather some some Christians found aspects of it offensive. The way that the the organised religion is depicted in the game, so
1: and that's not exactly unusual for Final Fantasy. <laughs> either, exactly, so, nothing, um...
0: nothing about it offended me. So yeah,
1: <laughs> same. I don't know where that's
0: coming from. <laughs> uh, Mh Ninja Bear says uh, any game with Ivalice as a setting is a huge bonus. Some people really like that setting.
3: I spent about an hour prior to the recording trying to find a truncated version of the beats mm. of this story. And, and like I said in my introduction, it's exceptionally dense and very yes. interrelationship focused. So there's yes. all sorts of different things going on to do with, um, religious, um, persecution, obviously yeah. class struggles, uh, exploitation of the means of production and all that sort of good Marxist stuff. And then, of course, you've got, um, imposters, fraud, uh, it's so complicated and dense that I'm not surprised that a person f- had a, a fairly difficult time trying to put it into a 30-minute summary. Um, but I think really the the, the way that the, where I struggle is the way that they actually link in the kind of fantastic uh, or the fantastisch, if you like, the kind of mythological and, and mm. fantasy element of it with some of the actual very human stuff like towards the very end, I did feel like it was quite a weird um, transition onto Ultima and demons and all that sort Classic of stuff. Classic Final kind of. Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is, yeah. this
1: is, is this the part where I say, well, actually my degree is in Renaissance literature and Shakespeare had a lot to say about demons and materia. Um, <laughs> so settle <laughs> in.
2: And class and job systems. I, I, <laughs> and I, job I, systems. I, I think I, I, what I will say is, um, just just to back up Rich a bit, like I don't think it's the most uh, elegant uh, combination of those two elements, right? I feel like the class uh, battle, the political uh, stuff in this is much more compelling than the demons, gods from another world summoned down to you know destroy us all. Like I I do think that has tied together like final fantasy six i think uh for, for as much as i was criticizing kefka's kind of si- simplicity earlier his transition into a cosmic threat in that game i do think is handled pretty well uh same with same with Sephiroth and and maybe later games that come after this but Uh, Yeah, it it kind of feels like it's in there because it's a Final Fantasy game, not because it's really like something that
0: these folks want to explore. Jack the Blue Mage from our forum who said, uh, very glad you're covering this one. Excited to hear what you have to say about it. I wrote the HTML-based guide for the game on GameFAQs. Number one thing going in, use rolling save games in multiple slots.
1: Yeah, I wish I'd used that guide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to hear what the panel has to say on the theater based design of the game's presentation, especially from anyone with background in such from the way spell effects mimic stage lighting on the battlefield to how characters are stabbed in cutscenes I don't think I've ever seen a game lean into theater as much as this one does. I think there are some others, uh, some games that are very specifically theatrically based, but uh, this was probably an earlier example. And yeah, even though, uh, as I said, I, Admit to not fully investing in the story. I love the way it was told. I love those those vignettes, the the, the diorama scenes when and the animations like so minimal. And uh, partly a, a, a you know a technical limitation. Going back to almost other than the the three D polygon backdrops, you've got these two uh, D sprites for the characters. But with such economy, they've got so much personality and uh, just the right choices of animation frames to sell even yeah these uh sometimes I think it sells them harder than a you know a, a fully rendered three D face that isn't human. I,
2: I absolutely I, I mean especially when you compare its contemporaries, right? I I think Final Fantasy Tactics yeah. presentation has has aged very, very well. Um mm. you, you know, don't get me wrong. I I, I really um you know love the art direction for final fantasy 7 VII, 8 and 9 but i i this kind of pixel art approach with 3d backdrops i just think it's the right way round like it it, it ages mm-hmm. it, it like the characters are the ones that have that kind of um personality and and that 2d 2D approach just ages a lot better, whereas the 3D uh, backgrounds more functional, more blocky, that's fine because they're backgrounds. Like it doesn't, doesn't need that same Mm. level of personality. Um, yeah. Um, I also wonder, like, cause like the the theater, like quality is not just in the the gameplay vignette sequences. I think the cutscenes that were added into the, War of the lions version they don't quite have the same cinematic flair of what you would you know describe as a typical final fantasy cutscene right they're a bit more controlled like rams is not bouncing between you know skyscrapers and and things like that there's not that same kind of gravity gravity defying um theatrics um in in those cutscenes it's much more grounded and and down to earth. And I do wonder if like, this is the reason why, um, you know, this isn't, I, I I get the feeling that this game isn't embraced by kind of mainstream final fantasy fans in the same way that seven and Mm. six are, it's kind of missing some of that cinematic flair in its visual presentation that, you know, that, that drive towards having like iconic visual moments that I don't think this game really has in the same way. Uh, It's totally replaced by a a real feeling of charm and purpose.
3: Um, And actually, like, there's a, you know, playing on a moment-to-moment basis Final Fantasy Tactics, it's all topography and mise-en-scene. And for me, some of the actual most striking um, levels are the likes of um, the Golgorand execution site, which is basically just a wall with a gallows in the center. And it's like, okay, This is incredibly minimal, and it's all all emphasis is placed on the characters and the moment-to-moment gameplay. Like that, that's what will stay with me rather than the actual um, FMV at the time.
0: Pecan Pie uh, says, "I want to shout out to those animated cutscenes in War of the Lions. I hadn't seen this art style before, but it's beautiful and complements the story perfectly." On the subject of the two localizations, uh, the original. English localization was partly outsourced, according to Wikipedia, with the other part of translation and localization being handled by Square USA's Michael Basket. Basket started writing the script in a style close to Old English, but this was beginning to impact the game's understandability and make characters sound alike, so it was toned down in the final script. Because of vocal criticism of the original English language translation, a whole new translation was commissioned for the War of the Lions remake. Translating the game's script was assigned to Joe Reader, who pulled in fellow translator Tom Slattery after becoming impressed with some of his eternal work, e- internal <laughs> work at Square Enix. To incorporate the game deeper into the world of Ivalice, the new English translation changed words to standard Final Fantasy terms and spellings, such as magic with a K, dragoon and mystic. To address any controversy that the game's plot was a criticism of Christianity, Slattery retained the game's opening prayer that is directed towards the gods, separating the Church of Galbados from the monotheistic Christian faith.
1: I don't think Final Fantasy made up the word mystic. I'm no. I'm just going to
0: say it. <laughs> Used in that particular way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. There are a
1: lot of. Um, changes
0: to job titles and things.
1: Yes. Job titles and, like. Uh, equipment and uh, skill titles. And for the most part, I think that those are pretty welcome. I I mean, I can see if you were coming into the remake, um, being already very familiar with the original game, that those, that might be actually a a barrier all on its own because you'd already used to uh, everything else. And it is very different. Um, But I, I found that they helped (laughs) by being a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, uh
0: coherent with the just, rest of the series
1: yeah exactly just they they didn't they didn't uh require a whole lot of uh interpretation to figure out what the heck they were talking about uh in in some of these they they did get rid of the uh, the in combat like the combat barks essentially that like would be the characters calling out things like, um, I don't have any of them in front of me, but um, uh, this is the holiest of of might that we can offer you, and then cure, and then yelling out the name of the spell, you know, like it, it they, they did lose that in the uh, which is kind of kind of a shame. It, it fits in better tonally, but I I missed them a little bit.
0: Ryan McBride from our Patreon on the narrative. Says, Final Fantasy Tactics has political intrigue, class warfare, love, betrayal and of course the requisite, get in the car loser, we're going to kill God, mandatory for any Final Fantasy. It's not without its issues for sure, in fact the last stretch of the game falls apart a bit because of the reliance on that trope, which stands out because of just how strong the character arcs and relationships are and tensions those create. The protagonists and antagonists have clear, understandable, passionate motivations in a rich and developed world, and I wish Square had the confidence to let that do more of the heavy lifting than fall back into the familiarity of, here comes the real bad guy. Even with the last boss falling a bit flat, the final scenes of the game are beautiful and poignant. I chose, I choose to read into the ambiguous ending that Ramza dies in a notable sacrifice and Delita gets the ending he deserves from all his successful machinations. It's so much more satisfying if everything isn't wrapped up in a neat little optimistic bow. One aspect of the original Japanese release that did not make it into the US version on the PlayStation 1 were these sound novels, which were four items that you could find uh, in your errand quests, each of which had its own soundtrack and its own script, and fleshes out the world of Ivelisse and the backstory to... Final Fantasy Tactics further than arguably anything (laughs) in and around the game itself. Uh, Luckily, of course, people have since gone in and translated those and plucked those out and you can view them in isolation. Yeah, I think we've talked uh, somewhat about the visuals already. So just to, uh, to let you all know, listener, that they are 16 by 16 dioramas, which is quite compact. And if you have any images in your head of this game, having not seen it, of it being kind of you know large scale it it isn't really the i think the i don't, don't know what the largest number of units in any one battle is but i would say it's probably not more than 15 if that. As, as
1: in characters in a uh yeah uh yeah I, I i don't know for sure but um yeah i mean i think most of the time your playable party I don't think ever gets to be more than what, maybe six characters.
0: Yeah. Five plus a guess sometimes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, And then the enemies sometimes maps start where there are about seven or eight enemies, nine, ten maybe. So yeah, it's, it's that sort of scale. It's not, this is not, um you know, dynasty warriors or anything like that. Uh, so you have to be very careful with your units and, uh, and they have to be, yeah. Uh, versatile. I would say is uh, is the order of the day as we say a limited number of 2d sprites on 3d polygon backdrops the original ps1 game runs at 60 fps the psp version attempts this but fails uh dropping frames regularly during special effects which is interesting even on the vita this happens which is an an even more powerful (laughs) processor i'm not sure why it's obviously kind of baked in um it doesn't really you know, it's not ruinous. In sometimes, I actually think it's quite cool because it has that same uh, effect as, as some of those shoot 'em ups where they deliberately put slowdown in to replicate the old games, not being able to cope, to give you a sense of scale and enormity. So, if you send down Flare or Firaga or something, and the entire screen kind of goes choppy frame rate, it actually is quite effective. But it is a bit off putting when you're just casting poison on something and you can see the frames dropping. But uh that's a reason to play the tablet version i guess um where that won't be or emulation i assume uh will get you get you past that uh roadblock but yes it's a turn based game it's not um, it's not going to be a deal breaker let's talk about the audio uh this is a strong aspect from my point of view uh although you will end up hearing the battle tunes perhaps a few too many times over your 85 hour playthrough um I really like the work here, dramatic and moody by turns. And um, yes, even though some will prefer the PS1 sounds, uh, I now have 83 hours of PSP sounds in my head. And I like the little um, sort of pseudo synthesized noises instead of sampled screams and things like that. They've got a real charm to them. uh that, you know, a player goes down and they sort of elicit a beep, effectively a, a a pitched beep rather than a an actual human cry. It's all part of that sort of sixty even though it's a 32-bit game, it has a sort of sixteen-bitish charm to me.
3: I'm very fond of uh this era of music in video games. Like there's something very appealing and attractive and nostalgic about like MIDI sampled orchestral stuff from the PS1 era. Mm. Um mm. and there's um it's just it's just full of like quality music really although some incredibly weird uh named tracks in there one named bloody excrement and the other one (laughs) simply named pervert uh and i couldn't possibly (laughs) tell you why
0: wow (laughs) that's excellent i did not know that (laughs) the uh you're a fan of some bloody excrement (laughs) john
2: um not generally um what, what a question <laughs> I think you need to go to the doctor if you find that um, <laughs> um I, I i think this soundtrack is is pretty superb um uh, overall it it contains one of my absolute favorite uh, tracks from from any soundtrack in 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 trisection I think trisection is one of my most played
0: (laughs) i don't know what any of them are called can you hum it (laughs) Um,
2: uh trisection i'm not going to hum it because i'm going to embarrass myself but the listeners at home (laughs) google it youtube it it's on spotify um it's one that appears in in specific battles um i think it's 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 up there with with one of my favorite amongst my favorite final fantasy battle themes it's it just to use a ter- i don't think the kids use this term anymore i think i'm the kid <laughs> in this equation um but the, the, the trisection slaps uh, it's just it's such a good it's such a good motivational um oh, you know yeah. driving piece of music uh, i i love it to pieces
0: i know the one it always sounds like even in the scenes where it's not raining it has that sound of lashing rain to yeah, it. yeah exactly it's the it's swashbuckly if that's even a word i would say yeah, yeah. Slap Buckley, <laughs> TM. Leah, did you enjoy enjoy the the tunes? Did they slap for sorry, you? Sorry,
1: I'm still I'm still laughing at the fact. I don't know how Josh sounds older than me when he says that something slaps, but he does. So <laughs> no, he uh, maybe it's the British Uncle thing. Josh. Fir- <laughs> Keep up. Sorry. I'm
2: 33 now. Like we're long past. <laughs> no, we're long
1: past, stop it. We're long
2: past the days of me being the youngster of the cane and Rinse crew. Now, like it, it's yeah, just it's we're all old now. We're all old. Like, <laughs> well,
1: that's that's, i can get behind that um yes so i really do uh, i mean i i think everybody else has really uh has really sold the soundtrack already but uh yes i completely agree i i do enjoy uh the score and uh, i i will admit to having a little bit of fatigue with the battle themes just because you hear them so much um but I mean, that's not exactly unusual for a, a JRPG. So I, I'm. it didn't upset me. It was just a little monotonous yeah. occasionally.
3: with noting that it's the combined efforts of two composers whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember at the moment, but one was brought from Tactics Ogre along with the game developer. Mm-hmm. So you can see that they're kind of clustering that um, theme, you know, the, the talent that came from certain other areas to be able to do stuff. And of course... I think um they were responsible for the Final Fantasy Twelve soundtrack as well, so the
2: you're, continuity you're, across the whole yeah, evil. You, you're referring to Sakamoto, I believe. And uh, yeah, yep. yeah. Thanks, Josh. Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, who we also recently enjoyed his music for Radiant Silver Gun. And uh yeah, we've we've covered a number of games in the past and uh that that he scored. Uh and Masaharu Iwata is is uh, is the other contributor who had previously worked with uh the Quest Corporation on um Magical Chase and things like that also worked on um one of my favorites which was M2's first ever game which was Gauntlet 4 for the Mega Drive uh and uh take took the original music from the Atari coin op Gauntlet and then kind of made this uh 16-bit uh kind of epic soundtrack for the for the RPG quest mode in that game so yeah all good stuff which gives us now chance to dive into the gameplay of Final Fantasy Tactics. Let's hear first from, ah, an email from Mathia Boades. Now, this is a relatively negative take, but um, the fact that it was emailed in quite some months ago, possibly even before the original recording date, uh, made me feel that I, I, you know, I feel it's... Uh, important to include it thanks for the email and for yeah what might be some balance as an absolute final fantasy maniac and a mildly enthusiastic fan of tactical strategy the hype surrounding tactics had always intrigued me i'd seen this game ranked among the best of the franchise and so many final fantasy fans couldn't be wrong could they What's frequently touted as an exhilarating political intrigue simply felt like a series of aimless and repetitive plot twists, underdeveloped characters killing each other for power and little else. Only Delita gets some sort of an arc and yet his actions felt more whimsical than mysterious. Main goody Ramsar, on the other hand is outright boring, an unforgivable trait for a Final Fantasy protagonist. However, the gameplay hook works, the job system is polished and the battles are pleasantly challenging most of the time if one doesn't abuse the game's admittedly breakable systems. Nonetheless, it's easy to lose a playthrough by mistakenly saving the game during a concatenation of battles, and those two or three difficulty spikes, you know the ones, are plain jarring. Therefore, even tactics' most appealing aspect is unbalanced. All in all, Final Fantasy tactics may be of interest to fans of the saga and or tactical strategy, but I'd recommend to curb one's expectations before diving in.
1: There are some extremely pointed parts where like yeah. it doesn't matter who you talk to, they will tell you, yep, here's where I had problems. Here, here, and here. Like it's Absolutely. it's it's crazy how consistent that is. I'm looking, looking at, at a, a,
3: a um a website prior to this recording. Uh, CoronaJumper.com, the top ten most difficult <laughs> battles in Final Fantasy Tactics. And the top three <laughs> are precisely the ones that I had problems with. It's the WeGraft <laughs> Ah, uh, that, that one. It's
1: going to be Weegraph. It's going to be the one at the beginning um, where... I don't even the, remember the what the... Golgarand the Golgorand execution is,
3: site with... Uh, and the execution, yeah. And, yeah, and then the um, the, the Lionel Castle Gate, which is the one where you're on the roof of a castle um, oh, against yes. the ninjas. Yeah,
0: I heard that one, but I did that one first time, but there may be a reason for that. Um, The one I had the most problem with is... Is it called Fenath? Uh, it, I think it's got a different name in both versions, but it's something like Fenath Creek or Fenath River.
1: Uh, with the and chocobas. it's one of, yeah. And oh, it, those chocobas are awful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and right. It's one of those. This is where I learned to gain the system. And actually, this was the only map in the game that I basically re, re-rolled, you know, reloaded. So we should take a step back. Um, but this is obviously all pertinent to any gameplay chat for listeners who have played the game or haven't. The map, the world map has dots on it, uh, some of which are uh, big and some of which are small. Uh, The new ones start off red and the small ones tend to be uh, field based battles for the most part with some uh, not always, but usually with some random generation of of mobs. And key part of the game here is that human enemies and uh, story enemies don't match your level. But presumably, as a design aspect to stop players from just over they had random encounter mobs and monsters, even in story battles, match the levels of the main character, basically. So, this Fenath Creek battle uh, is, I think it's about seven or eight. Well, it, again, it varies. The number of chocobos varies, and the color of chocobos varies. You would not necessarily think of even chocobos as an enemy, and indeed, you can include them in your party and, and make friends if you have a, uh, a beast master or whatever. But um, in this case, there are—is it yellow, black, which are purple and red chocobos? Yellow, yellow can hit quite hard, and they can heal themselves, but they're they're not that big a deal. Purple—they've got a couple of nasty attacks, but again, not that terrifying certainly not in ones or twos red chocobos are one of the fastest units in the game hit the hardest have a spell called choco meteor <laughs> which can one hit most things even on relatively high levels and so what i learned at some point was each time you go into this map and it it it, it generates its conditions. It will vary between limits, a number of chocobos and what colors they are. So I lost this battle like four or five times to like five red chocobos. And I was like, I'm never going to I'm never going to get past this. This is this is the point where no matter what I do, I'm never going to get past this. Um, Turns out uh, if you reload the game after you see that it's five red chocobos, you can keep reloading the game until it comes up with one red chocobo and say three yellows. And not eight, <laughs> eight reds, and then you can win the battle. So yeah, that's a great example of like maybe maybe a true purist wouldn't be willing to do that exploit, but for me it was oh like sweet relief. I'm going to get past this stupid random chocobo battle.
1: I will say that um, I don't think that even counts as an exploit, really, because <laughs> yeah. you're still. I mean that's that's how the game works, right? Like yeah. that's that's yeah. something that what what I. <laughs> So what I did, I I mentioned that my on my second playthrough I did use cheats and um, yeah, basically what I did, what I ended up doing, uh, it was the uh fight that we the WeGraph fight that we've mentioned a few times now, uh, in which it's the second in a series of storyline battles. Yeah, uh, you can save immediately before it and lock yourself out of leaving to like level or re um re outfit your characters or or do anything like that which is what i did because i'm an yeah. idiot uh but up until then i had not been using any cheats or safe states or anything mm-hmm. um i i just kind of had him in my back pocket uh this was what made me change my mind because i did not have the just how my ramza at that point was outfitted i just couldn't I could not do anything about him. Like yep. uh, it's a one-on-one fight uh and he's very strong. Uh and so what I ended up doing, the cheats that I turned on, I, it took a little bit of fine tuning uh because I the first thing that I did was I think I um I made his I I I jacked up his level I think and um I it seemed like now maybe it's a stat based thing but it seemed like WeGraft had some kind of matching in there because he was hitting me a lot harder, and I still had a lot of problems. Um, then I uh, made everybody's speed maximum. Yeah, um, and that so worked, but it was also kind of boring because the other team never got any turns <laughs> because everybody's. I, I mean, it was it Sounds was like heaven to me. I mean, it was it was you could definitely use that if you wanted to but um yeah. you know it wasn't it, it was mostly just how am i going to uh, surround them and, and and take them all down as quickly as possible what i landed on was infinite health for everybody because oh. that way <laughs> you know you can still have yeah, I... the experience of um like leveling your characters and you know giving yourself abilities and everything but um you're never actually in any danger of down. dying wow. unless you get petrified, which still ah, did happen to me. I course. game over several times, even with an infinite health. So what about it's suffocate? Not even easy to cheat in this game. <laughs> I'm does, sorry, what?
0: Does suffocate take you out?
1: Uh what is that in um normal?
0: I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's um uh, it's a one hit kill with which doesn't uh I think that number. it
1: does still work. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anything that is classified as a status effect will still hit you. And yeah. I'm sure that there's a cheat that you could, you know, turn that off yeah. as well. But I, I didn't, I yeah. I, I was like, I want to, I want to actually play this, but I don't, yeah. I don't want to have any deaths. Yeah. So let's try this. Um,
0: what it's a, it's a stressful aspect. Josh, just to go back
2: to the red uh just like a oh, little, yeah. <laughs> little bit of trivia, because I, I don't know whether final fantasy 14 will be, will be covered uh, in future um issues, but
0: only if you come back I, well, again. Well yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> but, um, there is a, a famous red chocobo called Red Comet uh, Comet in uh, Final Fantasy mm-hmm. Fourteen. that is a reference to these red chocobos in, in, in that encounter. Um, it, it was at one point the hardest uh, fight in all of Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> uh, wiping <laughs> entire parties with one attack um and there's this right. there's this tweet that went viral which is just a screenshot of this innocuous red chuckaboe saying there are no words to describe the carnage that transpired once we engaged this bird everyone died it was horrible bodies were scattered everywhere i i'm still not entirely sure what happened but it was bad
3: oh
0: mr feathers
3: before we oh. sort of shuffle off onto some of the mechanics here, I, I actually think that, you know, the for the most part, this game's not terribly difficult, really. I mean... Gosh, shut up. Uh, no, uh, like, uh, just to explain, <laughs> I mean, there's there's some obvious difficulties yeah, um that we've gone through. You know, the WeGraph uh, fight is ridiculous. You can get one shot on the first hit without even getting an opportunity to do a great deal. That is after you've just yep. done another boss fight. Um, yeah. And obviously the, the Grand execution site where you can have the exact same thing. There's a boss there and he has seven goons with him, all of which are upper height. So they've got the range advantage. It, it's exceptionally cruel. I think for the most part though, the random battles are actually okay. So, you know, if you yeah, look at yeah. the grind, Mostly. it's not terribly difficult and it's actually quite enjoyable. I just think some of the actual set piece yeah. levels are um, yeah. poorly fought.
0: Skill fought checks or... Yeah, well, they're, they're they're like knowledge checks as much as anything, but it's also stuff like, um, and this is very a, a very much uh, a final fancy thing. If you go back and listen to our series on that, I ended up kind of failing to complete some of them due to, um, just not having the right protective items and things like that. And this game certainly has that in it. If you you know face certain monsters without certain bangles or or jewelry or or armor that cancels against you know certain status effects you will be in so much more trouble no matter how kind of that, levels that's you it are.
3: and and you know i'm a big fan of Advance wars and played through and completed <laughs> the Advance wars reboot camp this game yeah. is no different in the sense of you yeah. just have to normalize going into a battle and losing once or twice just to be able to pick up some of the beats and prepare yourself for some of the attacks yeah. like it, it just seems that's part of it yeah, for indeed. sure
0: yeah
1: if yep. you have not played Final Fantasy Tactics and you're listening to this show, if you have any interest in playing Final Fantasy Tactics, and I, I not to spoil the ending, but I think it's I think it's worth it. But if you take nothing else away from this, take this away: multiple Rolling saves. saves. Yes. Yeah, please, for the love I, of I, God, I, I, yeah. I am a person who keeps one save as a rule, and it. Bit me so hard in this game. I had 10 it, uh,
0: in, uh, in my <laughs> you know, game.
2: I, yeah. I, I thankfully was pre warned going into the playthrough that uh-huh. I, I finally completed. But yeah, like, I'm not going to reiterate it. Uh, Rich has already gone into it. I, I will say, like, um, just to, you know, uh, the whole difficulty with the random battles, I, I think this game weirdly has an inverse uh, difficulty curve as far as that goes I think mm-hmm. the hardest I found this game in terms of typical battles not story set piece battles was right at the beginning of the game like I it's yeah, part part, part of the reason why I kept bouncing off of it is because the early yeah. game for this is rough um and and I will go so-
0: throw a potion I can't
2: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um and I'll, I'll go so far as to say, like, as much as I absolutely adore this game, the onboarding is is really oh. rough. Like, I don't think it does even for the time doesn't do a good job yeah. of educating or or kind of letting the player know what they're capable of or what even they should be playing towards, right? What they should be building towards. Yeah. Um, but then the 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 latter stages of this game, you know. Uh, you know except accepting those sp- specific encounters that we've already uh, talked about are absolute walk in the park like you, you like this game is broken in in against the player but you can break it right back like you can you can like I have a ninja character, right? I've got my I've yeah. got my Vita in front of me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how I've set it up. I've got
0: monks and ninjas.
2: the The ninja character I've got in my original playthrough has dual wield, the two of the strongest swords in the game. Yeah. Has vanished, which means that if an enemy attempts to attack it, it could just go invisible. Has an attack boost. <laughs> has jumped two from the dragoon. Um, uh, class so it can just yeah and this is combined with the ninja's extra speed as well so that jump attack goes way way faster than the uh the tre- uh, regular dragoon it's got time magics so it can cast haste on itself and remember uh the ninja goes first mostly so immediately cast haste right at the beginning of the game now yeah. once you unleash this person on on the battlefield he just destroys everyone. Like even in like sto- you know the 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 regular non difficulty spike um, story set pieces, I would just get the ninja to beeline it for the the hardest enemy um, on the battlefield, and he just <laughs> absolutely wreck them. So I, I think the difficulty in this game is wildly uneven and is a bit weird, but like. I, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of FromSoft games. I could I, I respect a game that is stacking things against me, as long as I can, as long as I can bite back, as long as I can stack things right back in my favor if I try hard enough.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: I see this a little bit further on the show notes, but I just want to bring it up here because I think it's appropriate. Um, permadeath in yeah. regards to difficulty. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. A loss condition isn't necessarily, you know, just a full party wipe. You can lose a... You can k- kind of handily and deftly defeat the enemies, but also have a, a member of your party permanently die after 80 hours of of gameplay. Yep. Um,
0: so think XCOM or cannon fodder, depending on your age. And, yeah. you know, part of the reason that
3: it's difficult for me is something that I talked about in Slack, which is the enemy AI is um, cruel. <laughs> I find, you know, if there's a chocobo on the field... As soon as one of your party member dies, you've got a certain amount of turns to either complete the battle or resurrect that party member. Um, yes. The resurrect spell Arise is not a guaranteed success. It has a hit nope. rate. So it um,
0: depends on multiple factors, yep. which we'll talk about. And
3: if you've got a Chocobo on the field, they have exceptionally large range and they will just make a beeline to the furthest possible point in the map that takes you a good two or three turns to get there. So um, it's it's just it's a combination of um, like really cruel RNG, um, some incredibly like mean spirited uh, enemy AI, and then a number of loss conditions that, in some circumstances, you know you can win, but you might as well reset because you may have lost a, a part member. Lost your best. You may have Major. lost Berthoud the uh, dragoon yeah. who carried me through the entirety of the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, I just wanted to uh, talk about um again maybe some folks won't have, won't have dabbled with this genre even and, and sort of wonder what the actual what the actual heck is going on and why it's so complicated but there are a number of considerations with everything everything you do every move to every square and with every character you're thinking about terrain the uh, the height of it in particular, but also what it is, what you're standing on, will have different effects on magic and things like that. The weather on the stage will affect things as well, in terms of uh, magic, particularly, and movement and things like that. Then something which I never really um, engage with too strongly, but I gather can be a real game changer, are are your bravery and faith stats. I know that some people say that if you roll a character by recruiting a unit um, rather than using the, the ordained or guest units. If you don't have bravery and faith of certain numbers, 70 plus just don't bother. Um, Although I do love the fact that this game has one status effect, which is atheism, which, which takes any character's faith to zero, meaning that magic, they can't do magic, but magic doesn't work on them either because they don't believe in it. (laughs) Which is uh, just which like is real life. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously your your units have got some stats, some obvious ones that you'd expect: physical attack, magical attack, evasion, um, which is uh, a front-based stat. Uh, generally, you'll want be, want to be manoeuvring units to at least the side, if not the back, and covering your back when you when you end your turns. Uh, hit points, of course melee or ranged attacks there are bows and guns in this game as well as swords and axes and clubs Uh, magic potential basically um which obviously can be both offensive and defensive and speed which as we say is a crucial one one thing i read was saying that the most as far as they were concerned as well as pursuing monk and ninja uh, roles particularly for ramza which is what i ended up with a monk ramza i didn't I didn't end up doing ninja i didn't need to because i was doing you know sort of up to 800 hit points per punch wearing a bracer so i didn't need to kind of i was thinking of going down the dual sword route but i was like yeah i completed the game before i got there i guess but speed this squire ability which is tailwind um plus one's your speed every time you use it so if you're not attacking you just tailwind and uh, and you then become this just lightning unit that just gets about eight turns to everybody else's one, kind of like um, quicksilver or whatever you know. In,
1: uh, in-, in the original game, that ability is called yell. So he's just oh. yelling at himself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um. So I was, yeah, I suppose I was going to ask. Um. Like yeah, it just. Describe your kind of your your gameplay loop, your own personal routines for the game, like and and your yeah your combat kind of takeaways and experience, Josh.
2: Um, I, I think for me, like once the full shape of the job system came into view, um, that is when the gameplay the combat all of it just absolutely came alive for me um the ability to kind of invest in a in a particular job and then be able to swap in swap out abilities based on what that character has previously learned from other jobs and apply them to new jobs that are um being unlocked as you as you progress that character I just think belongs in the mechanics hall of fame I think it's just mm. it's this game's masterstroke um I already talked um a little bit earlier about the broken ninja that I created which was like a combination yeah. of ninja abilities uh the dragoon uh job class the time mage job class this mm. weird hybrid that just makes it overpowered um I also um, got Ramza equipped with a samurai skill um, called Shira Hadadori. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Uh, but essentially uh, essentially, um, what it does is it allows you, if you have bravery at 100, to dodge every physical attack with 100% like frequency, right? So if if an enemy has a physical attack and it tries to hit, hit Ramza, it's not happening.
1: I th- I think the uh the the ability you're talking about is the one that or one of the ones that uh Elmdor has in that last fight that makes that one such a monster yeah. because everything he just kind of he just kind of avoids it and then turns you into a vampire.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just—it's amazing that, that the game allows that level of flexibility with its job system and allows for me to essentially make my protagonist immortal um, and create, you know, a ninja that is a <laughs> like a mini nuclear bomb. So yeah, that—that that is the aspect of the game that I absolutely adore.
0: Leah, what was your lineup of nuclear bombs?
1: So for me, I think it was mostly about choosing jobs that kind of picked up on the weaknesses of the main job that I was using. So, like, a lot of the very physical jobs are kind of slow and don't have great movement capabilities. So if you pair that with something like a dragoon that really helps with your movement capabilities, it, you know, it, it really, um, it really can help by by just kind of covering the the weaknesses that you had so i i mean for the most part my parties tended to be sort of rounded out like i would have you know a mage um possibly two mages it went when allowed for so that you know you have some healing in there but um I also really liked Monks, um, we, we've kind of already talked about that, and uh, Geomancers also, mm. especially in early game, um, but uh, they, they're they good in later game as well, but uh, yeah, Geomancers, their ability to, uh, especially once you've got like all of their abilities so that they're effective on any map, but the, the fact that they don't need mp to cast their abilities and you know they don't do a ton of damage but it's consistent and can cause status effects so that's really nice i never actually did make it to uh having dancers but i am told that they they are uh actually pretty great yeah and mathematicians uh, as well or arithmeticians calculator. well i did i did unlock the um the arithmetician or calculator i think it's called in the original game which is kind of funny but Mm -hmm. um yeah I, i couldn't really figure out how to make it work and that's probably mostly my fault for just not reading up on it efficiently enough but um yeah i i got there because i was like oh this is gonna be super cool and then i got there and i was like well now what do i do and he was just really slow and didn't have many abilities that that were effective so i didn't use it for very long
0: rich team team Davison,
3: kind of well has kind of jumped in with a lot of the makeup that I've got, I heavily, heavily reliant on Geomancer because guaranteed, almost every attack is going to do some kind of status effect. So uh, there's there's a move called Tangle Form, which uh, inhibits a, a, mm. a character's movement, which is awesome. Um, for me, dragoons were a heavy part because, of course, um, it, it's weird. Like dragoons have jump uh, two different jump um, mechanics. One is distance, and one is height. So um, very early on, I was like, yep, okay, let's get as much distance and as much height as possible. And that really opens the 16 by 16 grid up. So you can essentially launch from the off right down onto a fairly static enemy. Of course, you need high speed to couple up with that. Otherwise, you're just going to land exactly where they aren't, which is not great. But the yeah. rest of my team makeup was largely... Um, a bu- it's been a year, so... I'm- plumber in my memory here. A black yes. mage with time magic, a white mage with yes. black magic. And I also used Agrius, huh. which is a holy knight. And mm-hmm. she has um she's really good when you get her. Um, because her abilities to use arts of war, holy sword, and also equip heavy gear is is very valuable at the beginning, but those named characters with their own specific unique um jobs if you like like Orlando the sword saint and Meliodul, the divine knight oh, good. Mm, they kind of tail
0: off towards the end in my opinion um now wait Orlando is mm-hmm. Sid, right he's a, he's a Cid which i didn't realize so he was a game changer for me i, I, I d- 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 does ev- does he always d- does he turn up for everyone yeah, yeah. very, very crazy. Crazy powerful. okay oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he was a game changer. Maybe for me. that's
3: where I was going wrong. By that point, I'd had I'd set my mm. stock out. Um, the other thing I'd just like to say is um, I did actually one of the things that I want to do as playing the game was to at least at the very least unlock all of the job classes. So I did make Ramza a Dark Knight, and for the amount of mm. effort that's required to get there, compared to the payoff yeah. that you get at the end, it really isn't worth it. You get very singular and very powerful one-off attacks, but. Consume a large yeah. amount of MP, expose yourself for a very large amount of time. Um, so, while it's nice to kind of be able to sort of have the entire kind of job system unlocked, it wasn't necessarily worth it. So, I can't quite recommend that. There's some more powerful um, combinations if you're willing to put a bit more thought. You know in.
1: what's really great? unlocking dark Knight when you have infinite health <laughs> because then you can just get the benefits and don't yeah. have to deal with the fact that you're hurting yourself every no. time
0: but the one more even more ultimate class is onion Knight. uh but it's only useful if you've already kind of learned everything else because its level is based on how much you know from all the other jobs but then you can freely select from any ability from any job yeah i think that's uh, which is pretty powerful. That's that's
3: like classic end game Final Fantasy, isn't it? You know, just break yes. it all apart and put it back together
0: yeah, in a way yeah. that you see fit. I think Onion I Knight wasn't in, in PS One, but is in PSP. I
1: think that's what I was going to say. I think that Onion Knight and Dark Knight, I believe, were yeah, not in the original right? version. Yeah,
0: yeah, so- yeah. My uh, as I say, I ended up with uh, my main character as a monk, just punching things extraordinarily hard. Uh, usually had a night or two with me Uh, these are all characters that i recruited early on in the game not the named characters and leveled up alongside and um yeah cancelled my game and reloaded when any of them died had a few exciting hairy moments where you're desperately trying to get a phoenix down to somebody halfway across the map and then you realize that the person who's nearest doesn't know how to do phoenix down (laughs) and All that kind of uh, hilarious or does know, but you didn't
3: equip it, is the other yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: all that. Um, yeah, learning how to be able to throw items is really powerful. Um, I did have a teleporting mage for a while, but I found that the teleport was so unreliable, it would often just say teleport failed, that I just went back to uh, floating about the place, uh, which was considerably more reliable. So yeah, black mage with time mage aspects, um casting uh haste jar on as many people as possible at the start of the round um white mage with summon aspects uh ca- casting uh protect jar or war- uh shell jar or wall jar well no I don't think wall jar is a thing actually wall wall is a thing um to make people as safe as possible summons were fun because you get the graphics but some of them take they're very like,
1: difficult to use they're so slow uh,
0: yeah they're just yeah. like take turns and turns and turns to come out and then by the time you come out normally you've forgotten where they're going to land the ai remembers <laughs> and you end up uh yeah torching yourself although that i'm thinking that actually summons don't do friendly fire do they or do they
1: yeah they do they do i'm pretty sure
0: um certainly magic spells do so yeah that was a classic yes. one like lining up a oh i've got four enemies in my sights here um, yeah, another tip along with keeping rolling saves is do tab left to te- check the turn order. Yeah, Um. What? it took me a while. My other third tip is, um, and I forgot this until I was about 50 hours in. I, it was something I'd known back in the late 90s and forgotten. It does actually tell you what percentage chance your attacks got of hitting before you execute it. Uh, yes. which is it's just there in small little letters doesn't matter how um, I mean numbers. yeah
1: um anything exactly. under 90 percent and it's gonna miss so <laughs> actually probably higher than that but yeah. uh, x yeah. style
0: yeah um so yeah that's how you get around in final fantasy tactics um and yeah i just wanted to say again uh to stress i think um probably even more so than in a regular turn-based final fantasy rpg um or at least as much. The status ailments are just absolutely key, crucial in this game. Being immobilized, or turned into a vampire, or charmed—I mean, being char- having half your party charmed is like a game over, pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yeah, charm is rough.
0: Yeah. Um, and again, there are various bracelets and things, but yeah, this is where optimize in the outfitters is useless because. And also playing many of these battles for the first time is useless because you don't know what you're going to need to protect against until you've died in the battle. Um And I guess that's one of the sort of facets of this kind of game design that you have to be able to make peace with. You can't, I mean, maybe in a modern game, it would have like in the way that Pikmin 4 uh, has a rewind, redo, a do-over. Maybe a modern version would have something like that. I don't know. Um Obviously that does have the the downside of taking away the peril um if that's your if that 's what you thrive on
1: <laughs> oh a pet a pet peeve of mine in this game um That I really this is this is something that um, Tactics Advance fixed, and Mm. I was so grateful that it did. Um, Aside from the white magic having a chance to miss, like that, that (laughs) that's a whole other thing. But um, so this is this is kind of specific, but um, the fact that so during each turn you can move and take an action. Uh, and you can do that. You can do it in either order. You can move and then take an action, or you can take an action and then move. But once you move, you cannot back out of moving. No. So, like, if you move and you select where you're going to be and you confirm, you can't like cancel that and move back to where you started. Yeah, so harsh. Um, you can in tactics advance, yeah. and I really appreciated that yeah. because I you can't really see like if i move to this spot will i then be able to target yeah, this exactly. character yeah ranges um, ranges, really so complicated
0: you, especially with guns yeah. and stuff yeah
1: and with and with elevations and that kind of thing yeah. so yeah i i i was frustrated by that many a time because you know i'd move somewhere thinking oh, okay so this should be within my range then i can do this and then i'd move there and i'd be like one block short because i didn't take so something cruel. into account and yeah and potentially ruinous I could do about yeah. It. yeah i was not happy about that <laughs>
0: Seth from the forum says, I found this game very difficult to get into. And once I did start to find my way, I kept hitting brick walls that just zapped away my enthusiasm. I'd say a lot of this is down to the job system, something I've had some experience with, but not to this degree. I'm not saying I need a game to hold my hand, but a bit of guidance as to how the system works for those who aren't familiar with it would have been helpful. The fact I can't see to how to unlock certain roles and the level requirements is a bit naff, really, as I still really have no idea how to get them. I know I can look them up online, but it's like how FromSoft games sell you DLC and you need to consult a guide to see how to access them. It's really not helpful. The fact that permadeath is a thing is incredibly harsh. I'm not sure if this was explained, but I was shocked to see characters disappear forever the first time. Also, when you send characters on a mission, it's not made clear that they are only available again if you return to the town where you sent them from. The difficulty spikes made the game feel cheap and not fun, and it's not a game I would recommend nor want to sink more hours into trying to level up characters, especially as grinding in this game really does feel like a complete slog. I'm currently stuck on the final boss of Chapter 2 and I don't care to go on. It's a shame, as I was enjoying the story up to this point and I like a game that's not afraid to kill off characters, but I don't have the energy or patience to spend hours gaining abilities and hoping for good RNG with a boss fight that just feels cheap.
1: Um One thing that I will uh mention that is very weird about getting the extra characters mm. for whatever reason, and I'm still not sure why you have to have a uh, mustadio in your party uh-huh. in order to trigger the extra characters. So in my first uh-huh. playthrough he died pretty early on oh. <laughs> and I never you know I, I just never. Cared that much, yeah. so I didn't uh, reload to get him back. But uh, I didn't get any extra characters the first time um. around. I don't, I don't know that I would have anyway. But mm. uh, yeah, apparently he is a key factor in hmm. some of the extra stuff you can do. Ooh. Take note.
0: Janelle from our Patreon says, "For my teenage self in the 1990s, SquareSoft made the best games, and it filled my days with so much joy. Playing Final Fantasy Tactics in 1998 was no exception. I loved the strategy, the grinding, and the job system." There was a lot of grinding in the beginning with the early battles that felt almost unfairly difficult. And then it all disappeared after three tough battles at Riovane's Castle, if that's how we say it. Once TG Sid joined the party after Riovane's Castle, the game became too easy. I still enjoyed it because who cannot like an overpowered character like Sid? Yeah, I uh, I didn't know this because he was just Orlando. And then uh, I was... Googling Orlando to see what he was, and it said, "Oh, this is Sid in this game, and he's commonly known as T.G. Sid." And I was like, what Thunder God, Thunder God, Sid?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that gives you some clue. Quite a lot of his attacks are pretty devastating and help me win the game. But by that point, yeah. So I, my final session of this game was Friday, like all of it, and uh, I finished started mid morning, finished at one thirty a.m. hadn't lost a battle in like 10 hours and um yeah thunder god sid was uh, was certainly i think i would have got there anyway but i think he helped <laughs> expedite he definitely helped situation yeah. quite a bit the penske file from our patreon says it's neat to see kane and Rince covering two remarkably different games this year tactics and into the breach which offer contrasting gaming experiences Into the Breach represents an immaculate model of gaming efficiency. Each mechanism in the game serves a specific purpose. There's no unnecessary gameplay elements or redundant dialogues. On the other hand, Tactics embodies the idea of extravagance. The game revels in the abundance of grinding, the profusion of abilities, the plethora of classes, endless narrative complications, and even the superabundance of vowels in characters' names. This is part of the game's charm. Truly immersing in its mechanics might require you to belong to a specific group, those who get a dopamine hit to the brain through grinding in JRPGs. If you fit that mould, you will find an infinite range of abilities to grind through even if you only utilise a minor fracture of them, fraction of them. Tactics brings to mind Final Fantasy VIII, where the gameplay system is more enjoyable when exploited and manipulated rather than being used in the intended manner. I've beaten tactics multiple times but never without exploiting a calculator or a few secret characters inevitably the band of mismatched characters i initially begin with and for whom i mourn their deaths evolves into a more mercenary team focused solely on accomplishing the task at hand in my eyes tactics holds a place among the top three final fantasy games owing to its extensive customization options replayability and sheer enjoyment it provides however It's a game that carefully balances between being exceptional and being flawed. It never strays too far in either direction from this delicate line of balance. Instead, it takes small steps back and forth, maintaining this precarious balance right up to the very end. And in that end, just spam calculator spells.
1: I'm going to have to look up how to make the calculator work, Mm. because I just, I didn't get it.
0: (laughs) It sounded too complicated for my little brain um but i gather it can be uh yeah it can be exploited quite nicely i i just in my in my head i just pictured somebody throwing abacus beads and thought that's not for me so the special jobs uh, we've mentioned uh so um sid thunder god sid is one of these isn't he he's the um sword saint whatever that means Uh, I also had a, there's a divine knight who turns up, who's pretty powerful. Um, I didn't use the game hunter or the sky seer or, or Balthier, the sky pilot. Did anyone kind of really go to town with any of these?
1: I got Balthier and Mm. um, he is a, uh, he's a ranged character. So, you know, he, he shoots stuff. Um, I mean, he was, he was pretty effective, uh, but. I, I I did. You get him kind of late, or you can get him pretty late in the game. So unless you really commit to kind of amping him up, then I, I don't think you're going to see too too many uh, huge effects from using him in your party. Or at least I didn't. I, maybe so some people did. yeah,
2: I, I'm I'm some people. but <laughs> um, Balthier, B- B- oh, Balthier okay. is uh, one of my favorite party members. Um, he has an attack called uh, barrage. Which essentially allows him to attack four times at a row in a row at Ooh. full damage, okay. um, which Ooh. makes him incredibly deadly from a distance. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I never got no, to that. No, point, it, so it, to be to be fair to you, that like it, it
2: requires some time investment to unlock that ability, but once it's unlocked, he's yeah, he's pretty essential. As
3: I mentioned, I used yes. Agrius, who's a holy knight come paladin. Same character class as the mm. leader. It's the bodyguard of the princess who isn't actually the princess because she died or, or something like that. Um, yeah, like I say, um, very good sort of mid-game, mm. I would say. But unfortunately, tail off towards the end. Can't output the right amount of damage. Has a limited amount of actual equipment slots. I don't think he can actually equip uh, gear on the head and in the hands, unfortunately. So... The level of use that you get out of Agris is
0: not too great, unfortunately. And some of these I didn't really, I don't remember coming across. The Dragonkin, the Templar, the Netherseer.
1: Oh, so the Dragonkin is actually another um, uh, side character that you can get. I don't think that they are from any specific game, mm-hmm. but you you can, essentially you go find a character uh in in a pub somewhere and he says oh hey can you help me go find uh my dragon beowulf actually is what the character is named um so if you go find him he'll say oh hey can you help me free this dragon and once you free the dragon with him it turns out that the dragon is actually a lady who can also turn into a dragon and then they both join your party so um I never used either of them that much, but from what I gather, they can be pretty effective uh, if you uh, if you spend time with them.
3: No, and and what I was going to ask is as well as did I really ever use a chocobo in the party or not? Because I sure as all didn't
1: for a couple of battles just to see what they were all about, and they were near no, as so many things in this game, they were nowhere near <laughs> as effective in my hands as they were in the AI's. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah, I don't think I, I don't did i hatch i think maybe i did hatch some red ones before i eventually got bored with the uh with the scrolling through them all when i when i was trying to do simple tasks and then dismissed them all and made them cry so um yeah but no no beast wrangling sounds like a whole other kind of you, you can actually can you like um is it do you have to charm the monsters from the fights or
1: i think so basically yeah And then maybe and then maybe if they're still if they're still under your control when the battle ends, I think they will join you. I think is how that works.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Sounds a bit elaborate to me, but I I like the fact that it's there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The Tea Time from our forum says, I've been listening to this podcast for years and I'm so excited to see you finally covering what may be my favorite game of all time. I take the chance to replay this game literally every time I get a new device, whether it's a tablet, smartphone or computer. If it runs Final Fantasy Tactics, I will use it as an excuse to replay this masterpiece. I first came across this game as a seven or eight year old when it first came out and obviously didn't understand it at all. But I was instantly mesmerized by the music and art style. In middle school, I came into possession of my own copy and it was the first game I remember sneaking out of bed to play in the middle of the night. I was totally hooked. I think my favourite aspect of tactics is the ability to set passive abilities from one class into another, allowing for some truly game-breaking character builds, such as putting a time mage's teleport onto a monk using the ninja's two-weapon ability, creating an absolute beast who can warp almost anywhere on the field and hit one-hit most enemies by the end of the game. Sounds like Josh's star pupil. Of course, no discussion of Final Fantasy Tactics is complete without commenting on the absolutely brutal difficulty of that one WeGraph fight. I'll never forget my first playthrough being stuck in rear veins, getting stomped over and over again until my Ramza, built with the two-punch monk build mentioned earlier, dodged WeGraph's killing blow and hit him with a counter, killing him instantly. While I'm glad the difficulty was nerfed in War of the Lions so that more people could enjoy the game, Beating Weegraf in his original PS1 difficulty remains one of my crowning gaming achievements, even if it was purely to-do due to RNG.
1: Well, if you like putting putting uh, abilities on other classes, let me tell you about a little game called Final Fantasy V. Um, See, I was when you you're going
3: to say 10 2 right, there I'm again. <laughs> Check out our Final
1: Fantasy V. I Also, ten two. 2 <laughs>
2: Maybe next year, Leah.
1: Let Leah cover 10-2. Maybe
2: next year. Get in the comments, everyone. Get in the comments.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tell Josh he has to come we've back had, for we've 10 We've had two.
0: one specific direct request, but as I've said, all Leah needs to do is say, this is the game I want to cover next year. And maybe it will be. Maybe it, it was will.
1: close this year. Yeah. We'll see.
0: Sludge Wizard from the forum says, Final Fantasy Tactics is my favourite of the franchise, my favourite game on the PlayStation, as far as I'm concerned, the only game ever released for the PSP. But I want to talk about Velius or Belias, but he will always be known as Velius by me. Velius, I guess that's the PS1 name, is one of my favourite bosses in all of gaming. He strolls in halfway through the game and shows you that your journey up to that point has been a breezy half-effort joke and he shows you with a cyclops from the sky that clears your entire party before you even have your boots on. He's there to grind the naive and unprepared to dust beneath his blackened hooves. I'm not a Souls guy and maybe if I had first played Tactics today I wouldn't have the patience to fight the same boss 700 times in a row but I couldn't get enough of it back then. He was a constant talking point between my friends and I, and he just whipped everybody who played the game. Maybe he was OP, and maybe it was just that I was 13 years old, but he was my first super boss. If you could beat Velius, you were not a 13-year-old boy, (laughs) but a 13-year-old man. Uh, Did anyone get into fur trading?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, shockingly, I did not. (laughs)
0: That's a that's a, a a weird little side game option. I don't know what the benefits are. Just financial, maybe. I don't know.
1: I think that you can uh, unlock certain pieces of gear if you trade in the correct furs. I I'm not oh, sure, okay. but uh, but I, I think that's supposed to be the mm. end goal,
0: right? Uh, and yeah, rumors. Uh, I'd kind of forgotten what they were for. Some of them are kind of s- staple throughout the game, alluding to the main story. But little ones pop up at different bars and yeah they can lead to the different quests and bits of the map and things like that and yeah the errand system as we heard earlier is um essentially yeah, questing and treasure hunting where you assign three members of your party it doesn't matter it doesn't seem to matter at least not on the war of the lions version what level they are because i always sent i i just kept three low level folks in my party to send on these errands and they always succeeded um i don't know if was there were there was there failing of errands in the original version maybe
1: i think you can maybe get better rewards out of them Was it you send higher the level party version. members okay
3: um, yeah, i was yeah, gonna but, say because it does have that um yeah it was of the time um for you know 2007 to 2012 style you see a lot on like peace walker metal gear solid 5 assassin's creed you know go and do Mm. some asymmetrical stuff that is a timed event to go away and do that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, still in Smash Brothers and stuff like that. So it still seems to be a thing. And just for the sake of completion, uh, I'm going to suggest probably none of us has ever dabbled with it, but the PSP version came with some multiplayer options thanks to its wireless capabilities uh once you'd reach the world map and go to any tavern you can either play Colosseum, which is a versus mode or a co-op challenge team mission which actually sounds reasonably fun but i don't know how many of us ever hung around with multiple psp owners um it would have been quite fun pitting parties up against one another i suppose potentially Or it may have just been...
3: I can see that being a real big thing in Japan. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about this... I say we talk about it. uh, It came up in the Monster Hunter show, those cafes that were predicated around PSP owners going and and doing a load of co-op stuff. It's the reason that the God Eater and and Peace Walker were Mm so kind of popular as well. So I bet this had
0: an audience in Japan. Undoubtedly. And yes, the, the game kind of lives on as well as being available. For iOS and Android, but sadly not available for any reasonably recent uh, consoles outside of the Vita version. There is uh, uh, a mod called The Lion War by FF Hactics, which took them a decade to make. It was released just a few years ago. Uh, there's quite a lot of coverage around this on YouTube, but essentially it uh, makes the original PS1 game uh, run you know, it runs under emulation on a PC and it also contains most of the War of the Lions content, but retains the PS1 sound effects, uh, adds in a few new secret characters or changes some secret characters. I think it's got Ashley Riot from uh, the team, the development team's next game, uh, Vagrant Story. Um, and yeah, yes, apparently is the optimal way to play if you want to go down that route.
3: There's quite a lot of, of, of mods. I was shown near the other day, there's a whole Final yeah. Fantasy VI mod for Final Fantasy That's Tactics right. as well, which looks That was in the
0: news incredible. recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a good creative community around this stuff for sure. And obviously we have had the recent, relatively recent uh, remaster of the team's previous game. Um, and I think it was published by Square Enix. So... It would not surprise me to see a similar remake and re-release for, for Tactics or an Ultimate Edition, which would be nice.
1: There have been rumors kind of floating around about it yep. for a while. I think I don't think anything's been confirmed, but yeah, yeah I it, I would not I would not also not be surprised. There was
0: something out. There was a new story in February, uh, which was something to do with the G-force leak. Um which had a, a huge list of unannounced games accidentally made public which included a Final Fantasy Tactics remaster project. So it seems quite likely that it exists, but how far down the road it is no idea. Square Enix does like money. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, but they also make weird decisions. They sure so do. Who knows?
0: They sure do. New Dark Cloud from our Patreon says not only does Final Fantasy Tactics have an impressive script that leans heavily into themes of class warfare and political intrigue with scathing commentary that only grows more poignant with each passing year. It does so with a skill and brevity that is unmatched to this day. And on top of that, it's one of those foundational games whose influence can be felt in nearly every tactical RPG released in the time since. I loved the class system and experimenting to find the most powerful game-breaking combinations I could. At least until I got Thunder God Sid and realised the game was content to break itself for me. Whenever people ask me what my favourite Final Fantasy is, it's always, always going to be tactics, specifically the War of the
1: Lions brevity is not a word that i would personally associate <laughs> with this game but uh, yeah. i get the i get the the general idea
0: brevity by way of flowery prose yeah and finally in terms of long form correspondence we've got and pie who says i've had a three part relationship with final fantasy tactics unfold over the last 20 years in 2000 fresh off being wowed by final fantasy 7 i was looking for more and her tactics was a great game my teenage sensibilities and expectations weren't appreciative of what the game offered. The graphics looked old, the story was dry and boring and the gameplay was all different. Fast forward 10 years and a friend recommended I give the game another try. It's hard, he said, but use a guide in some spots and you'll have a good time. This time I wasn't looking to replicate Final Fantasy 7 so I could appreciate the gameplay for what it was. And the gameplay was the thing that hooked me. Never had grinding felt so rewarding. Every battle unlocked something new and exciting. A few more levels as an archer and I can finally get the ninja job which will allow the dual wield ability. And if I corner this last enemy and alternate hitting and healing them, I can accrue job points I need to teleport all over this map. It was addictive and carried me through the game as I still didn't appreciate the story or characters. Finally, with the game on the Cane Rinse schedule, I got the War of the Lions version on my PSP to give it another playthrough. And this time, the story and characters carried me through. The Lita and Ramza's dual stories kept me riveted as the betrayal and reflections on power and destiny propelled the story forward. The last scene with the Delita and Avelia is incredible in its brevity and power. I'm so glad I gave this game multiple attempts because as I've grown, my appreciation for the game has as well. More more B word in there. Uh, well, there you have it. Thanks, everybody. Loads of correspondence for this one. You never quite know um, which games are going to get all the feedback, but people were moved to Final Fantasy Tactics. We've also got a little selection of three-word reviews. Uh, Who goes first? Josh. Toon Skatoon says, Twits turned tactician.
1: Good Good Game says, Wait, Cloud Strife?
0: Julian Titus says, Brilliant job system. Sludge Wizard says favorite Final Fantasy. Andrew Elmore says yourself or God. There we go. Thanks everybody for those. So it's time for us to summarize this mighty game. Quarter of a century on. Uh, well, it would have been if we'd had to hit the original date or thereabouts. Uh, but yes, it's still 25 years and a few months since the U S release. So in celebration of that, uh, i don't i think we're all probably in a fairly similar place on it but let's start with uh, rich yeah um was never meant to be on this
3: recording <laughs> uh came away with fairly tepid feelings about it it was never love and it certainly wasn't hate it was one of uh largely indifference um mostly because it's a real mixed bag you know like exceptional difficulty spikes um brevity is not a thing in terms of gameplay but it it does appear It came up a couple of times in people's summaries um from the listener correspondence and i think it's a combination of a lack of brevity in the gameplay and a, a sort of apt use of brevity in the storytelling which makes it a very um almost like a weird tempo about it, um, and because of that, I really struggled to engage with the the plot I mentioned very early on that it just whiffed me uh, unfortunately, but you know what it is? I can't feel um angry about that, and I actually don't feel um like it diminished my experience with the game too much, talking about it. I look back fondly at those times. The grinding was comforting, if not fun in some places uh the job system's very accomplished and extremely satisfying. And the whole package put together is an extremely appealing one. It's still a very attractive game with an exceptional soundtrack. I think I may go back and play it again, (laughs) much in the same way as I just did with Final Fantasy XII for the third time to kind of grasp the story. I might do what Leia did and just crack the difficulty way down, put the speed all the way up, make it as seamless and frictionless as possible, and I'm sure I'll have a very different opinion coming away from that. Um, the thing that I want to say is, uh, well done to Square. You know, those six years, seven years between 94 when mm. Final Fantasy VI and, and Chrono Trigger came out, you had some absolutely behemoth games. And I think this game rightly stands as uh, up there as, as one of the, the greats from
0: the PS1 era. Thanks, Rich. Yes, sir, I think we've established from the correspondence that this is a game which either breaks you or you break it in the end. Uh, But I think perhaps in our sort of traditionally granular sort of picking apart of the game, maybe the thing we haven't kind of stressed is the fact that I, I certainly find this game so absorbing and compelling. And it's a game that really, yeah, ultimately you can find exploits and find ways to break the game. But for a long period, even before you get to that point, you have to kind of you have to deal with the the many almost ridiculous limitations the game gives you and the lack of information yes there are tutorials and pages of text in there and obviously there's any number of uh, videos and online guides and things like that you can go to but i still think for most people your first quite a few hours of this game will feel will likely feel a bit confusing and overwhelming and unfair at points and then there'll be moments that feel like that again sporadically throughout your experience at least unless you end up kind of in a victory lap situation like i did because i'd diligently gone and done every errand and while my low-level folks were out doing errands i was scooting about the map taking on every random battle i could to gain more job points and more level more levels and and more abilities and, and things like that um but yeah in the end like the 83 and a half hours didn't actually feel that long you know by the by the end um it felt daunting before going in and with the deadline we set last year and then one that we had earlier uh this year um but actually once i got fully back into it i was like yeah why why did i put this off this game's great um and i'm now delighted to have the remake of Tactics Ogre ready to waiting to play. I want to get back to all my old XCOM games. I've got Final Fantasy Tactics A2 almost completely untouched on the DS. And um I've kind of been reminded of just how much fun turn-based tactics games can be. And uh the even while the, the smaller screens are, are less appealing as I get older, uh the the slower, more considered gameplay uh becomes perhaps more appealing. So um yeah, it's uh as I say you can you can play it on a modern tablet probably don't recommend a phone would definitely recommend pSP or Vita if you can find it or yeah there's emulation or even original PS1 hardware if you want the the hardcore experience but um yeah it's um it's gonna have those moments that will make you want to slam it down and give it up but yeah worth persevering for me absolutely Leah
1: so, I, I've mentioned before that I there I, I kind of had a, some kind of mental block or something uh, against tactics games up until relatively recently, and it always kind of frustrated me because it's pretty frequent that they have the aesthetic that I tend to like. So it's like, you know, the RPG kind of anime-adjacent aesthetic that makes me think, I want to play this game, and then I get to it and it's tiles, and I'm like, oh no, I've done it again, and... I, I mean, it took me a long time, I guess, to come around to the idea that maybe it, it's it is something that I enjoy, and that it just kind of took a, a little bit of a different um, approach than maybe some of the other RPGs that I play. So uh, I was looking at my list, and this year I've played two other tile-based RPG games: uh, Tactics Ogre Reborn, and also. Um, fire emblem three houses mm. so you know I'm, I'm keeping up with current trends like that's that's not true that game is very old <laughs> um but um, yeah so i i i credit tactics with a lot of that i i think that really kind of deciding that i wanted to crack on with it and see what so many people were getting so much out of i i i really think that that kind of helped me to turn a corner on those types of games. And I, I mean, I guess one of the the really big things that I can say for it is that it made me want to play more, so much so that I immediately transitioned in this uh after this playthrough to uh, Tactics Advance, which I'm having a great time with. Uh and I I'm I have many other uh tactics type games kind of lined up that I could go to if if I still want more after this. And even if I don't immediately, then I think I probably will in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the story is excellent, even if it can be a little bit obtuse. And occasionally, you know, you might need to go back over things <laughs> or potentially, you know, take a look at a any kind of... Um, you know, online descriptions or YouTube videos. There, there, There's a lot of them out there. So if, if that is something that you are interested in digging deeper into, or you just want a different perspective on it, you can do that as well. So, um, yeah, I I really enjoy games with job systems, and this game has a really good job system. So um, I'm glad that I got over the uh, kind of tactical element of it and learned to enjoy that. I think that I would probably recommend, unless you are already pretty into tactics games and or you just don't have an aversion to really starting things over sometimes mm. um maybe you might want to try a version that you can apply cheats to or quick saves or you know something like that mm. uh it's it's available to you is all i will say on that front uh and i think that it if if that is a barrier that you are facing i i think that it's worth going in that direction uh if if that's what's keeping you from enjoying it um but uh it's perfectly playable and enjoyable on its own merits even if you don't want to do that so um i would say keep an eye out and maybe we will get a remaster sometime soon and that would be pretty cool um yeah it's rolling saves that's 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 what i really want everybody i i cannot emphasize (laughs) this enough keep rolling Rolling saves saves. avoid
0: red chocobos
1: yes now guess josh
0: Round us off.
2: I think as I get older, I you kind of and I think it's true of everyone. you kind of uh, get an idea, a better idea of like the kinds of games that are just gonna really work for you and 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 really gel with you. I think I I, I realize more and more that like I don't necessarily need games to be very very open but i do want them to be like a mariana trench in terms of depth and possibility within even within like a linear trajectory um and i think like final fantasy tactics is like it it is a mariana trench game like it's you've got that destination that you're headed heading towards but the experience that you could be having as you're walking towards that de- destination is radically different from one player to another in terms of how your party is made up and how you've toyed with the job system and, and and experimented with those abilities and swapped them in and out. I, this, this is my favorite combat... You know, granted, slightly different genre, but of all the Final Fantasy games I've played, this is my favorite combat system. I think just the possibility space is massive um the level of customization and unique pers- your, your own unique personality flair that you can add to your party is is pretty untouchable compared to the rest of the series um but like also i just retrospectively really appreciate the impact that this team and and this kind of approach has has had on the the final fantasy Series at large, Um, I I think the Evil East aesthetic, the Evil East world is my favorite in terms of personality, in terms of the tenor of the characters and everything like that. I think Vagrant Story is is a triumph visually for the PS1. I think that art direction really sings even now. Final Fantasy XII, which is obviously heavily inspired aesthetically by this game, um, is still my favorite looking Final Fantasy, even with the technological uh, limitations uh, taken into account. And then there's Final Fantasy XIV, which pretty much, if you look at the development team for that game, it's pretty much the disciples of the people who worked on this game. Um, so yeah, like, not only do I really, really love this game and highly recommend it and think it's aged incredibly well, I think its impact on the series at large has been nothing but positive. Um, big thumbs up from me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming back and spending some time with us, (laughs) Josh. You're welcome. Uh, Maybe some kind of remake, remaster of uh, Vagrant story would bring you back. uh, Absolutely. If not something else. All right. Here we go again. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Leah, Rich, Josh, Editor Jay, John for his efforts. Sorry he didn't make it. As well as our correspondents. Plus, of course, everyone who's listening. Next time, in issue 580, it's Groundhog Day, as we cover Deathloop yet again.